Welcome to episode 118 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales of the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. Tonight, joined by Jody. Hello. Hello. And uh, Mono couldn't make it, but we have a great guest for you tonight. His name is Ben. He's from the Captured Oral Theater. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we did a quick video uh, with you a couple weeks ago about an event that you were having, but mm-hmm. for those that didn't watch that, why don't you tell us about Captured Oral Theater? Sure. Capture Oral Fantasy Theater. We're a, um, we're a theater company based in L.A. and uh, founded in Chicago, but been in L.A. for a really long time. Um, and basically, we take old comics and turn them into these multimedia live performances, uh, doing the dialogue like an old radio show with live sound effects, live music, and then we project the art behind us. And uh, pretty much since the beginning, we've been doing EC stuff, but for almost 10 years now, uh, we've had the exclusive uh, authorization permission uh, to be the only company in the world that can bring the EC catalog to life on stage. That mm. is awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> I want you—you you, uh, invited me to one of your performances uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was probably the highlight of my uh, Halloween season. It was <laughs> so much you. fun. <laughs> That's awesome. It was Thanks. everything I could ever wanted. Like you even did the um, like dramatic readings of the ads. Yes, <laughs> for you know the little Kitschke, Chosky stuff. That, Absolutely, that you yep. found in those comics. That that was really. I mean, the music was was great. The acting was really fun. I was you know laughing. Uh, it was <laughs> laughing. I cried. I hurled. It was everything. Uh, uh, thank you very much. That's what we hope for. That's what we do it for. Yeah, Not for money. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds right up my. Aisle. I'm a long way from LA, so I, it's oh. going to be a long time till I could make it out to see something. But uh, where are you? I'm in Tennessee. Oh crap! Okay, yeah, we're spread out way across the yeah. country here. Uh, uh, but uh, I grew up uh, probably in my twenties. I discovered all the uh, like old radio shows, things like awesome. that, like Lights Out, CBS Radio, Mystery Theater. Sure, sure, I sure. I love all that and the foley work that they would do. Like I oh, love seeing yeah. how they make all the sound effects and the clop 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 clop. And Absolutely. yeah, no, that's one hundred percent my kind of thing. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, my dad oh, bought awesome. me like a big box of those tapes when I was like in elementary school or middle school, and I used to listen yeah. to them. But yeah, speaking of fully work, they did fully work live. So they had like <laughs> a desk, and there was a guy with like a head of cabbage. And he was like banging with a was a exactly. knife or a hammer or that's something. So cool. <laughs> it, was just, I mean, it was flying. It was great. It's, that's live performance too. It's you know mm-hmm. uh, if you if somebody's doing it really well, they're in a rhythm and you kind of watch them and there's, it's like dance. It's ridiculous yeah. what these guys can do. Well, so they, cool. really they cool. used to do that on some of the old radio shows too, right? Oh, sure. like they'd actually perform for an audience and then, you know, Absolutely. they'd have the guy doing the work on the stage and everything the same way. That's Absolutely. very cool. Absolutely. Um, now, are there any upcoming performances plans? There are upcoming, but I don't have dates. Uh, okay. Actually, after all the Halloween stuff, we got inquiries from a couple of different theaters in LA. So we're just trying to work that out. Maybe one as early as December. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, there was a uh, a request for a horror Christmas show. So we're going to see if we can make that work. 
That's awesome. Well, um, yeah, keep us informed so we can promote any of that. Absolutely. Um, And then theoretically, we'll be putting out a recording of the one that we just happened um, on our, probably on our YouTube and on our uh, podcast stream. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Okay. But um, let's, just get a little background. How did you get into EC Comics and Tales from the Crypt? Oh. What's, what's your origin story? Oh, <laughs> good. Um, by the way, I'm wearing my I know I saw that shirt because fright that's rags. What we're talking about tonight. Um, how did I get into it? All right, so way back machine. So my dad was a big comic book fan. Uh, you know, m- you know, 50s, 60s DC and Marvel when they came out and stuff. Um, so comics have always kind of been around. Um. He and I started to go to comic book conventions in late 80s, early 90s, and I came across some of the reprints because that was kind of when they were all coming Mm -hmm. out, I think, probably the late 89 reprints or something like that. And uh, and so I was reading them and they're they're incredible stories and like, holy cow, I can't believe that this was on the newsstands for kids, you know, in the (laughs) 50s. and then I started doing, so then I hooked up with these friends of mine in Chicago and we started the theater company. And, um, this one friend of mine, uh, quite a bit older, his name, his name is Ben. Also, he had been doing the sort of style of captured oral fantasy theater since he was a kid for his family, like taking his comic books and doing like, Hey, I'll do a performance in front of my family. <laughs> so, um, so he started doing a little bit of that in Chicago. I hooked up with them. We kind of revitalized the whole thing. And in the course of, you know, we're doing all sort of rights free comics and then, and then not asking for the rights. Um, uh, in the course of all of that, uh, I pulled out some of the old ECs again and they just like totally hit it on stage. It was just, it was really great. So then I, from that point on, I just got really far and far into it. I have to say the, um, uh, the Grant Eastman, uh, Tales from the Crypt or the EC compendium that came out in 2000 also was sort of a seminal thing. Cause <clears throat> I didn't really quite grasp the whole 1954 Senate hearings. Mm-hmm. Um, but Grant reprinted the entire transcript of those hearings in that wow. book. And I was like, holy crap, this, all these stories that I remember was, you know, they're published by this one guy. He goes up in front of the Senate and then he publishes Mad Magazine too? What's that all about? So what an incredible, incredible journey. So that's how I get it. All right. And what about the TV show? Are you into that? Are you more into the Oh, comedy? yeah. No, totally. I think I think that I've probably discovered the comic right around the time that the TV show was like really hitting its stride. So and <clears throat> I uh <laughs> this is an early girlfriend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh she was into horror, so we would watch that, and we watched uh, what was the other one that was out at the same time? Um, Tales from the Crypt, and then the one in the antique store. Uh, oh, Friday the Thirteenth! Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. So those were kind of those are things to do on a Friday yes. night. So. Love that. Yeah, sounds like a great Friday night when you have a girlfriend. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> and it was high school, so how? Yeah, there's not yeah. much else going on really. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it tonight. We're talking about the uh, episode About Face from Season 7, Episode 10, which came out on June 28th, 1996. Judy, give us a plot synopsis. All right. So in this one, uh, we get a nice Tales from the Crypt period piece. Okay. So first off, let me me start with our Crypt Keeper. Our Crypt Keeper is like a jazz musician this time. Nothing to do with Victorian England, but it's really fun. He's he's got you know strumming his guitar and 
later there's a great gag where his guitar strings are all made of uh, guts strewn out and yeah, good stuff. Uh, nothing to do with Victorian England. <laughs> uh, but, up on that. Yeah, I, make, making them have anything to do with each other. I think that just fell by the wayside somewhere along the way. Uh, but at this uh, on this one, uh, we start in a brothel where we see a young woman who is struggling to give birth. It's very traumatic. Uh, the madam of the brothel is assisting her. And she sees how much pain this woman's in. She's screaming. And she said, who did this to you? And then we cut over to a scene, a little flashback scene of her and a local minister. We hear some screams. And then we have a uh, cut. And it says 16 years later. A girl named Angelica comes to the church who is seeking her father, the minister from earlier. She is the baby. Uh, his name is Jonathan. And uh, when she arrives there, before she comes in, he and his wife, Sarah, are arguing because he has a, another new secretary coming. And uh, he brings in secretaries basically to have sex with them and to get them to dictate his books. So he, he dictates books. They have sex. That's the job. Uh, and she's not happy with this, but it is what it is. He's been doing this, obviously, for at least 16 years because uh, Angelica exists. And... Uh, she tells him that someone has come to the door saying that she is his daughter. And uh, that's when she comes in or Angelica comes in. She says, I'm your daughter. I have a twin sister named Leah or Leah. I think is how they say it in this. And uh, so they're suspicious at first, you know, are you trying for money? What do you want? She says, no, I just want to know my father and to love him. And that's, that's all. Now, privately, Sarah tells Jonathan that, you know, they're ruined now. He's ruined their lives. But he says, no, I've got a plan. And he invites the girls to stay, thinking it will help his image to have a family. And uh, so he's basically using them for PR. But Angelica seems really sincere. She just wants to get to know him. She says she, you know, I, I've never met you, but I already love you. But Leah. Leah. Uh is in the other room and won't come out. She says that Leia's troubled and uh, she, she thinks that he abandoned them. He said, well, you know, I couldn't have abandoned you. I didn't even know about you, but uh, he tries to tell Leia good night through the door and she does not answer. Later, Sarah's sitting in the study when Leia comes into the room and she has this horribly disfigured face. Looks almost like a burn victim kind of thing. A little Freddy Krueger ish. <laughs> uh, kind of red color. She, you know, it, it, it almost looks like a, uh, like a possessed face in an exorcist type movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's like those <laughs> weird lines coming down. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, it scares Sarah and then she scares her even worse because she starts yelling Bible verses at her and telling her that she's a sinner and her sins will be found out and God will have his vengeance, you know, just pleasant conversation to be having around on a Saturday night. And, uh, Sarah is very upset by all this. She tells Jonathan, who uh, then goes and tells Angelica. And Angelica says, actually, no, it was Sarah who was saying all the bad things about you. Uh, said all these terrible things about you and the twins. Leia was coming to talk to you. And Sarah's the one who did all this. And then in their room later, Angelica and Leia are kind of arguing because Leia says, you know, he's a sinner. He deserves punishment. But Angelica says, no, you, you need to get to know him. You will love him. And uh, that's when Leia says, promise me we'll always be together. 
So in his office later, Jonathan is dictating his new book to his new secretary, and as is his way, he realizes they're alone and makes a move on her. And uh, then we see Leia outside the door to his office listening. Obviously, they're having sex inside the office. When the secretary leaves, Leia comes up behind her and slits her throat. Just a big, quick throat slash and leaves her laying on the couch. Uh, Sarah comes home and she's all frustrated and frantic. She doesn't see the body, but Leia comes out. She's got blood all over her, pushes Leia out of the way, sees the body on the couch and screams. At this point, Jonathan comes out, sees just Sarah in the room with the dead body. and She tries to blame Leia, who is no longer there. And so Jonathan then grabs her around the throat and slowly strangles her to death, saying, you know, he's ruined or she's ruined them by killing this woman. After killing her, Jonathan goes to Angelica's room where she's laying in bed facing away from him. And he says, you know, I'm going to have to go away for a while, maybe to America, but you can come with me. And at this point, she rolls over and we realize he's actually been talking to Leia who says, you know, I knew this would happen. You're a sinner. God will have his vengeance, all of these things. And uh, she attacks him with a dagger and stabs him in the stomach and a few other places. And to fight back, he grabs this gigantic crucifix off the wall and whacks her in the head with it <laughs> and then stabs her through the stomach. And at this point, her head does like a whole 180 exorcist spin around to reveal that the other side of Leia's head is actually Angelica. And uh, so when he killed Leia, he also killed her, who I think he started to have some feelings for by the end of this. He, he had some connection. Mm -hmm. So as as they die, he screams, no, you know, the, the movie, no, the no, kind of no. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's when the Crypt Keeper reappears and plays his <clears throat> guitar made with guts. Yeah, he has he has uh, six strings. Six strings, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jody. Uh Ben, you're our guest, so you can start us off. What do you think oh. of this episode? I gotta that, move some cords that, around. That was not me. That was that's not good, me. That's a good fully work there, That's Jody. great yeah, fun. No kidding, man. <laughs> All right, I, I will return in just a moment. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Um, go ahead. Uh I thought it was great. I um you know, I, I don't think I saw that before when it first came out. Uh, by '96, I was probably not watching it as much. Um, but uh, I thought it was great. I thought um, I was pretty amazed at how. Uh, I mean, this is like mid '90s TV, and there is like a couple of actual sex scenes, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I thought the humor was hilarious, was great and hilarious in a great EC kind of a way. Um, I mean, the story is totally ridiculous, but that's what we love about it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I thought the, uh, like the, there was enough overacting that it was funny, but at the same time, it wasn't super hokey or anything like that. And I agree, Jody, I think that there was, the actors did a good job of finding some sort of relationship by the end of it. So it mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, it was only like 25 minutes. It was a, it was a quick, quick, mm -hmm. you know, story. Um, but they were able to build something that I thought was great. Nice. Ben, I like your fresh take and optimism. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think at, by, by, at the end of this season, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm speaking for Jody or not, but I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, jaded. 
It's true. It's pretty deep into the what? Uh, how many the seventh season? That's all. We've yeah, only got all... we've only got a couple episodes left after this one. Okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I didn't love this episode. I totally understand why you someone coming com- fresh in would sure sure have more appreciation. But this one did not do much for me. Um, sure. Spoilers if you haven't seen Malignant, but uh, I kind of <laughs> guessed the ending here pretty of quickly. Sure. Um, the the effects were good. Actually, I like the acting of the um, actress who played the evil twin. Um, mm-hmm. kind of played both twins, so I, I thought, thought that was yeah. Okay, you're right. Especially good, you know she she did a good job playing the the nice, you know, mm-hmm. kind and mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. uh, pretty unhinged acting on the uh, evil yeah. version too. I yeah. thought she was good. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll give her that. The rest of the acting was just so so. Like, yeah. I, I guess I think they're just doing that draw. English acting that we've seen so much this season that I'm just like really sick of. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, there wasn't, again, a lot of these episodes hinge on the twists and sure. some more like, and some more like magic chemistry with the actors. I just didn't, yeah. none of it really did much for me um, yeah. in this episode. Um, but yeah, I'll give it up for the, some, like, some good effects, some good gore. Mm-hmm. Um, so good HBO level um, sex, especially at the beginning. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't do much for me. Uh, Jody, what did you think? I, I sorry. Oh, Go no, ahead. Right. Oh, I was just gonna say on the on the sex part. I think it was it was interesting. Like that's introduced while the mom is giving birth, and it's like this mm-hmm. sort of weird flashback, kind of very eighties nineties sort of fade in fade out. Yeah. Um, so as a period piece, I thought that was pretty great <laughs> yeah no yeah i see what you're saying yeah they're kind of like yeah they're intermingling they're intercutting between exactly, the, between, yeah, exactly. like they're having sex and they're giving birth and yeah it was weird you know i i i like this one pretty well like I, I thought it was pretty fun um you know like i said the the lead actress i thought did a great job there uh you know some of the actress w- or acting was kind of campy but i mean it's it's still totally I, i'm mm-hmm. kind of okay with that uh, I thought the uh, wife, you know, uh, Sarah, who I don't know the actress's name, but she's Dolores Umbridge from mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I recognize her and I she did a good job in this role. Um, I thought the priest was pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I think overall I liked it. That first scene was weird, though, like you're saying, because it uh, I mean, we had nudity like in the first couple seconds of this episode and then there's a baby being born and then there's a priest having sex with a maid and just all this stuff happening so right there in the beginning exactly exactly i I mean honestly this was an episode that i when it ended i thought oh it's it's already over i i thought it was still Mm going to go on for a little bit longer it it Mm -hmm. ended uh faster than i was expecting which must have meant i was paying good attention and enjoying it so sure yeah that was a pretty decent one for saving especially for season seven Maybe it just didn't hit me at the right moment. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I do think create, creatively, the beginning, that opening bit, is the be- is the strongest part. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think the rest of it. This might be one of those times where I think a little bit more story would have helped smooth things mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing with Tales of the Crypt; they have to hit that mark. Absolutely. Sure. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes they need more, but mm-hmm. they kind of have to hit that spot and like i could have you know i could have used a few more minutes of building up the relationship i didn't realize sarah Absolutely. was the husband i thought the sarah was like in the, like the i, I was uh, exactly with you i told it didn't dawn on me until they spell it out later on <laughs> but in that first in the first third where she's introduced i agree 
I thought yeah, she was I like a good that they were married. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I assumed at the very beginning that, you know, because he wears a collar. I was thinking Catholic priest, Catholic yeah, 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 married. So I'm assuming we're we're in England, probably Anglican or something like that. That can mm-hmm. get married. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, that did throw me off for a minute because when I saw the caller, I assumed he was single. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, the story itself, I felt like could have used a few more scenes, but you know, mm-hmm. they, they only they can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this point, the twist is not as huge twist for us because we've watched so many of these. Right, EC right. does love their co-joined twins. Like that's yeah. <laughs> all over the dang place in this series. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a little less shocking when you're like, oh, it's that uh, again. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and again, nothing will ever be malignant how the how how they play the game on that, the long game on that one. So <laughs> that's the one where you have no clue. Right, um, right, right. And this one, like, you can call it very quickly. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, you figure either either it's a conjoined or it's like in her head. You know that the fact mm-hmm. that they're not showing them at the same time is like a huge, mm-hmm. a huge giveaway. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once you see the other one, like, okay, then it's just you know, the Gabriel the, situation. The um, the one scene where they're they have a scene together and they cut between the mm-hmm. two. Um, you know, they're, they're trying, they're trying to mirror the, their actions, like hitting their, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait a minute, that's physically impossible. I mean, of course, <laughs> everything's physically impossible, yeah. but like, <laughs> this could have been, there could have been a different way to do this. <laughs> okay, I, I do have one question about how they operate it. Okay. So <laughs> there's two <laughs> options. I got to talk about it. either. Either one of them is just walking around normal front facing and the right. other one's doing the malignant backwards walking thing, or her head is like a He-Man action figure and literally mm-hmm. just spin a different face onto it. And that's, you go on. I think that's I exactly right. Way. I'm, I'm yeah. happy with way with that. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was that? You, did y'all remember that He-Man no, figure? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Face around? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> her head did do a complete 180 at the end, so I have to assume yeah, her neck is yeah. just on a swivel. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Leah was like, you know, hopping around and stabbing him. You know, full, full frontal, normal action. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I have to think it's a rotating head. That's all I can mm-hmm. come up with. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you know, that's how spinal columns work. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Um, so this was directed by Thomas E. Sanders. It's his only directing credit, but he did have a prolific uh, career as a production designer. He worked on films such as Bram Stoker's Dracula, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, and more yeah. recently, Crimson Peak. Um, and those are some big production design yeah, movies. Yeah, right. yeah. Those aren't just, you know, setting up, you know, a room. No, those are right, right. big sets. Right. Um, the uh, priest is played by Anthony Andrews. He's done mostly British cinema. The only like thing I really recognized him for was the King's Speech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Sarah, his wife, is played by Imelda Staunton. Uh, she was in Shakespeare in Love. Obviously, like Jody said, she was a uh, Dolores Umbridge. Probably mm-hmm. my, probably my favorite role in the, the whole Harry Potter series. That she does. She's really. And then um, she does the voice of Aunt Lucy in Paddington, which is just yeah, okay. Oh, I love those movies. Those Paddington, <laughs> yeah, they're delightful. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, they like warm my cold horror obsessed oh. heart. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Um, have you shown your kids that movie, Ben? 
not yet. Not that it, they're in the right. They're definitely the right age for it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's it's, so it's, much out there. It's very wholesome. They'll like it. Yeah. We just, we actually, we just watched, um, much to my chagrin, the new Paw Patrol movie. Oh, how, uh, how n- <laughs> Not my fave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Angelica slash, was it Leia? Leia, um, yeah. Is played by Anna Friel, who starred in Pushing Daisies. That's her, oh. like, big American. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Show the rest is very British, which mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure there's some great stuff there. I just don't know. Pretty, pretty typical for this season, though. Yeah, yeah. it's been a pain. long British resumes and not much else. <laughs> um, all right, Jody, do you want to talk about the comic? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this came from The Haunt of Fear, number 27, September 1954, uh, from a script by Carl Wessler. So, uh, you know, most of our scripts come from that uh, Gaines. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking. What's the other guy? Outside. Thank you. Yeah, yep. have have that uh, writing team, but this one is Carl Wessler and art by Graham Ingalls. And Graham Ingalls always has this real, like, drippy-looking art. Like, everything yeah, yeah. nice and distorted. And uh, it's very similar. This is one of the times that they stuck pretty close to the source material, but with their own version. You obviously, in 1954, mm-hmm. didn't have a priest knocking a young girl up. That was... Right. Even, for, even for EC, that was verboten. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead, we have a man named Jeff, whose wife has twins, uh, Penelope slash Penny, whatever, I think they usually call her Penny, and Olga. And <laughs> when they're born, his wife makes him promise to never try and see Olga. Okay, now, this, this stretches my credulity a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He never sees her until she's 15, we find out, uh, right. which seems a lot harder to pull off than, uh, you know, she just locked herself in the room for a couple days before mm-hmm. the, all the chaos went down in the show. Uh, but as they grow, Jeff mostly forgets about Olga because she's locked in this room. He doesn't enter it. So, uh, you know, kind of outside, out of mind. And uh, when the girls are 15, uh, the wife dies. And again, she makes the prom- makes him promise, never try to see Olga. And he says, I won't. And then immediately uh, he tries to go see Olga. (laughs) And he says, you know, I'll take care of her now. You don't have to worry about it. And he's, you know, I'm my, I'm her father. It's my right. And um, while Penny is out one day, Jeff tries to get into the room uh, with Olga and Penny stops him, but then leaves the door open for him to come in and meet with Olga alone. Her face is very deformed in a Graham Ingalls kind of like monster mm-hmm. face way. Uh, and she tells him she hates the world. She hates everything in it. She's, you know, full of rage and violence. And later, though, Jeff takes Olga out for a walk. Uh, but when someone sees her, uh, he says, oh, well, this is my niece. And when she gets, you know, denied for being his daughter, she, you know, is furious and she runs away, vowing revenge on everyone. And then there's this kid who gets freaked out by her and she pounces on him like a cat and starts tearing at his face. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it didn't show the aftermath. I don't know if she mm-hmm. killed the kid or just hurt him, yeah. but it, it definitely looked like something rough was happening. Uh, then Olga tells Jeff that it's good to hurt people because it's good to scare them because she hates them all. And he tells her, you know, go back in your room and stay in there and, Later, Jeff wants to set him and Penny free, his daughter that he loves. And so he gets a gun, planning to shoot her. And when he breaks into her room, he shoots Olga and she falls down, revealing that the other side of her head 
that she he actually shot Penny, and Olga is growing out the back of his head mm-hmm. once again. Uh, the malignant twist. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think what I liked about the comic better than the episode is that the father is more of a genuinely good person. Absolutely, yeah. Um, sure. Except for you know the whole trying to kill the kid, but the but the kid is obviously evil. So right. Not the best solution, but it's not the like it's somewhat justified, especially you know mm-hmm. through that lens. So I mean, I, I appreciate just, that there's like a good a good father to sympathize with for most of this yeah. most of the comic. I, just, I, I this one does strain credulity just a little bit. Well, that you know, sure. for 15 years he's like, ah, just forget about that other daughter, whatever. Yeah. He's he's Hugo locked in the attic on The Simpsons, you know, right. <laughs> Yeah, and then as soon as his wife dies and she says, don't go, he wants to go. Mm-hmm. Like, after 15 years... He's out of my way. Now I can yeah. see my hideous daughter. <laughs> um, there is I a like. funny, uh, an interesting line by the the, the witch um, host at the very end uh, where she says, so what's so bad? Most women are two-faced. <laughs> 1954. Uh, 1954. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that, for for Earl Fantasy Theater, a line like that is is gold. Like, yeah. just oh, yeah. hitting sure. that hitting that over the head with people and just putting it in the context is is just great. Well, see, and that's, what, that's, I, and that's what I love about your... One of the things I really appreciate about your theater is that you don't shy away. You're not, you don't edit things out to make no, them more right, palatable. Exactly. You, lean in, yeah. you lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's totally so right ridiculous. Different. Yeah. <laughs> And so, um, some of the, some of the scenes in these comics, though, you get, I, I can just imagine the reading that y'all are doing on it, because there, there's been sections that when we've been doing this podcast, I've been like, okay, I can't just tell you what happens here. I need to read you the words that are happening. Right, of in course, the, yeah, it, not just in the in the speech bubbles, but in the captions, because some of those yeah. captions uh, are getting pretty saucy. <laughs> you know, the kids comic. Absolutely, Love absolutely, it. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and just like the and speaking of leaning in, leading into the gore, like when uh when Olga tears the kid's face, it's like chunks of flesh. Like they just describe the whole thing. It's yeah. pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um you know, also one thing about the story that struck me is that it there is a a theme in a lot of the comics of the sort of wayward kid. Mm-hmm. Um and not really wayward, but the so I I actually like the story a lot. It totally does strain credulity, but it's one of those as a dad that is mm-hmm. very, um, I felt bad. Like I felt bad for the kid. I felt bad for Olga, I, the mm-hmm. whole thing. Like they were able to pull some strings. Um, there's another comic and I can't remember the name of it right now, but, um, it's this sort of disfigured girl who lives in an orphanage and all she wants to do is to get out and be loved by somebody. And she sends those letters, um, and then, of course, it ends in tragedy. She falls off of a fence and gets impaled. Um, which, As of course, do. yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but that one is like, it's a really sad story. And it's, um, I don't know, there's something about, this is something that's great about EC, is that they they put kids in danger, but they also made kids, like, like evil. And they did all this stuff that was super transgressive and still is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, both me and Jody are fathers of uh, mm-hmm. special needs children. So, like, oh no way. Um, yeah, we we. I mean, obviously, we have nothing but love for those kids. But you know, you yeah. see how how they can be treated by society when they're not sure. in the best. Yeah, uh, sure. Families, most supportive families, and yeah. how hard and how hard we have to fight to get them the the care that they need. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like you know a lot of the tragedy in this comic could have been 
solved by a good conversation early on. <laughs> sure. Sure. Maybe but, some normal yeah. normalization, some social Exactly. Honey, I have something to show you, and it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a lot. Absolutely. We're gonna get through yeah. this. Or, or maybe not locking your child away from all the rest of humanity for fifteen hey, years. <laughs> might have some rip, some uh, repercussions on the child. Exactly. Sure. I mean even even kids know that that's the plot of Frozen, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Well, I think that a little better, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. if only Frozen had had her attack a child and tear his face off. <laughs> I or, just, I mean, that scene. If Elsa and Anna were the same, you know, <laughs> <flipping> <laughs> their heads around exactly. Well, if only someday that that falls into public domain and we can make the Frozen horror. Oh wait, the Frozen EC mashup that would be pretty excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Uh, That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Let's do our episode rating. We do zero to five, five being the mm. best, zero being the worst. You can do half points. Uh, ben, your sweet summer child, <laughs> unjaded on. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, all right. Well, in, in the, I haven't watched or yeah. drilled into all of these as much as you guys have, but say, let's see. If I can go back in time and think about the ones that I saw, this is probably to me like a, Let's say a three point five. All right, Jody. Yeah, we're uh, we're right on the same track here. I think it's a three point right. five. It's a solid episode, not a standout, but a solid episode. Jason. Yeah, I'm you like the show? You. I'm going to <laughs> put it, put it in the bin with the others. <laughs> put this away for fifteen years, and maybe I'll watch it again. <laughs> Jason. I have a question. I have a question about the history uh, on this podcast. So, mm-hmm. is uh, Jody? Are you more optimistic than Jason is on yes. on, these, on the Usually. ratings? Okay, okay. Right. Uh, unless we're talking about Halloween ends, which I am by far ah. the, the biggest hater. Uh, but yeah, generally, I, I mean, uh, yeah. I usually rate things pretty tough, unless I love it. If I love it, then I'm like falling over for it. Okay, okay, cool. But um, yeah, I'm probably the harshest critic on it. Well, Jason, next, awesome. next time, you know, give it give it a decade or so, and when you do your rewatch, start from the back and go to the front. Start with the uh, last, because by this point, I, I gotta absolutely. say, just me personally, we're seven seasons in, been doing this for two years. I'm a little like, oh, I have to watch another Tales from the Crypt, and I like this show, but it's still just... yeah. <laughs> Which we've done a lot, of, a lot of. There's a lot of biases, but I think even the creators, those we'll get to momentarily. Mm-hmm. Admit that they've kind of run out of steam and ideas oh, sure. <laughs> after this, especially especially like they even have like an off season because they're making the movies. So right. Oh, right, even right, harder. right, right, right. And they're I just love location. I love that you guys have been doing this for so long, and you have this love hate relationship with with the core of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, that's good. I appreciate that. I mean, and there have been seasons this episode I liked, or you know that I could see more potential Ooh. in. But yeah, this one just doesn't do it for sure. me. And everyone's entitled to you know like or hate what they want. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the entertainment. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you gotta be careful how you phrase things. All right, Mondo's not here to do song of the day, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a go. And uh, this one is an int- a little interesting. 
So there's a artist who I've been a huge fan of for over 20 years named DJ Shadow. And he's a pioneer of what sampling and trip hop and whatever mm. you want to call it. But it was very ambience, more atmospheric music for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting things. You've you've definitely heard samples of his music. Um that have been used in everything from uh like kids TV shows to commercials. Um you've heard it, but you didn't quite you might not have known exactly where it was. But he just mm-hmm. came out with a new album called Action Adventure. And the cover is very much of the 50s kind of those like man magazines. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Like the, the man lifestyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and he actually has a track on here called Craig Ingalls and Wrightson. Wow. And it's a tribute. So basically, I've, I've, I've watched some interviews with him. And he talked about how like during uh, lockdown, he was just kind of going back to his core forms of entertainment. One of them was reading old comic books. So that was one hmm. of the things that kind of inspired him. So he actually has a song he named after the artists. It's a good, it's a fine song. It's a good song. It's not the best of, I think on his, uh, on the record or in his overall of, uh, music. But, um, mm-hmm. I looked up each of those artists. Each of those names is from a uh, classic comic book artist. Sure. So starting with Johnny Craig, who was the editor of vault of horror, and he did, um, he, I think he wrote and drew uh, all through the house. Um, and he did the famous cover of the woman's severed head. Crime suspense, he story, from, crime suspense yeah. story is number 22. Yep. Exactly. That was shown at the Senate hearings. And that's the one that you did that you performed at the. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that guy. I mean, he's done way more than that, but that's just like the top line. And then uh, Graham Ingalls, um, as we said, I think Jason, he, he did. Um, yep, there you go. That's it. That's <laughs> it. He has a Beautiful. Right there. That's nice. Um, Graham Ingalls, who did this episode, he did uh, he did Haunt of Fear, um, mm-hmm. and he did uh, Poetic Justice, um, and some other ones that were featured mm-hmm. in the 72 Tales from the Crypt movie. And then uh, Bernie Wrightson, he drew covers uh, that were used oh, yeah. in uh, Creepshow. He created mm-hmm. Swamp Thing, and he did the mm-hmm. uh, Frankenstein graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cool. Yeah, and you know, at least there's like the very headlines. But Ben, if you have any more um, highlights you want to add, oh, it just I mean, I think it, that's an incredible line. I mean, especially so Graham Ingalls, they used to call him Ghastly, and he started the sign everything just Ghastly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very drippy, weird. Um, you know, like you said, Jody, and you can see a definite line in the art between him and Bernie Wrightson, who comes maybe like 10, 15 years later, right? Um, the same sort of like highly detailed line work that kind of drips off the page. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I want to meet this guy. This guy's like raiding my collection. <laughs> I know. I know. He's, I've been, yeah, I've been, I've, he's been definitely like one of my go-to artists for the last like 20 or so years. So oh, that's awesome. But this is the first, and I, I've always, he's always had like a bit of a sci-fi horror. Like I can feel it somewhere in the music. It was the first time he's mm-hmm. very explicitly referenced it. So that, that was cool. Um, so yeah, song of the day is Craig Ingalls Wrightson by DJ Shadow off his new album, Action Adventure. All right, Jody, do you have some horror news? Jody, you're on mute. Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> I'm uh, I- I'm fighting a cold right now, so I keep muting uh, myself to uh, blow my nose. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess I forgot to turn it back on. All right, well, so- I appreciate that. I appreciate that you mute 
while you blow your nose. That's really I just, nice. I know how I listen to podcasts, and sometimes I got both of them in with the noise canceling, and I don't think anyone wants to hear someone just unload into a Kleenex while they're, you know, two earbuds in. It's just not not nice. All right, so uh, releases to start with. Uh, the Adams Family, not not the Adams Family, not the click click ones. The um, the ones who made the movie Hellbender a couple years ago. They just had a mm-hmm. brand new movie come out, uh, Where the Devil Roams. It is a Tubi original, so it's on VOD, and it looks like I mean I'm assuming it's on Tubi. Um, but I I really loved Hellbender, and so I would mm-hmm. love to check this one out. Another movie that just came out, this one on Netflix, is The Killer. Uh, David Fincher directed uh, with the same writer who wrote Seven, Andrew Kevin Walker. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is uh, after a fateful, fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't pop- or personal. And it's based on a series of graphic novels. So, mm. you know, Fincher and Walker, again, Seven is one of those movies ingrained in my brain. So mm-hmm. I will absolutely check this out. Uh, another one just came out on in theaters. It's a wonderful knife, uh, which I've heard described as scream meets. It's a wonderful life. It's got the whole, you know, I wish I was never born, uh, but with some, some blood and violence, uh, I, I'm into it. It sounds fun. I like a, I like a high concept slasher and uh, I like a parody. So uh, yeah, all this is good for me. Other news. Netflix has announced that they are working on a brand new Fear Street standalone movie. So if you enjoyed the trilogy of Fear Street movies that came out a couple summers ago, Mm -hmm. uh, like I did, I'm excited for more of this. Uh, I don't see anything about uh, what it's going to be this time. It just says it's a standalone one, so it's not connected to the other movies. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm down for more of this. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed those other movies that they did. Another trailer we just got is one for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, direct sequel to the uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife that just came out a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, it's got all those different characters. I think uh, I, I, in the trailer, at least, I see more Bill Murray mm-hmm. and uh, Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. you know, um, now, there's there's more Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. but it does have the new actors in there as well, the new cast. Paul Rudd's back again. Uh, you know what this one reminded me of? Because it, in in this one, there's some kind of ghost that is freezing everything. And to me, that's it, different than your typical Ghostbusters type thing. But it, what it reminded me of is the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm. Like yeah. it, it has that kind of yeah, big yeah. over the top thing happening in New York. Like, you know, mm-hmm. everything's freezing and I'm down for that. Like I, I grew up with that cartoon. <laughs> that cartoon probably had more to do with my love of Ghostbusters than the actual movies did because I watched oh, this wow. every Saturday. And one last piece of uh, news here. I had to do this because of Mondo, uh, th- who is not here tonight, but this is for him. A new movie coming out called Bjorn of the Dead. Stars Iron Maiden singer Bruce Dickinson, and it's a horror movie about tribute bands, not an Iron Maiden tribute band, about an ABBA tribute ABBA. band. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, he's uh, 
He's the lead in it, and there's a, the film centers around an ABBA tribute band who find themselves, along with other tribute acts, trapped in a nightclub at the start of an apocalypse. Bjorn <laughs> and his band must work together to save themselves, humanity, and the future of music. Uh, various cameos from the world of rock and heavy metal, and it's said to be a blood-drenched gore fest. So big, over-the-top craziness, and ABBA. In the habit. Okay. We're yeah. Not. I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, lots yeah. of lots of interesting stuff coming down the pike right now. Yeah, and I think Thanksgiving comes out this weekend. Thanksgiving comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah very soon. Really cool uh, posters where they're repairing the other uh, famous horror movies. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, um, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think I might go see that this weekend. And um, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I have a huge recommendation for um, when was it when Evil Lurks? Yes. Mm. Um, it's. It's a, I don't say it's a tough movie, but it's, it really hits you. It's an intense um, movie. It's intense, but it's very, very good. Very, very good. Hmm. Um, it's on Shudder, right? It's on Shudder. It's by the guy who did Terrified. He did the mm -hmm. one segments of Satanic Hispanics. Um, you know, there's a lot of trigger warnings that go into this one. There's definitely some child-related mm. violence, mm. but it's done in a not exploitative way that I can appreciate. It's just. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the movie that hit that hard. That was, you know, good in that hmm. to that level. Um, so that, that that's my recommendation for the week. Oh, and also, I watched for the first time uh, Night of the Demons. For some reason, I just never seen that one. The original, um, the one with uh, Lena Quigley. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's one of my. I love that series. I know. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Whitney about that. She said that you that was a, she, you recommended or you had her watch it for one of your hackathons. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just good 80s fun. Yeah. It's, you know, a, it's like a mashup of Nightmare on Elm Streets and Return Living Dead <laughs> and um and, and uh, Evil Dead. Yeah. Um I would say better mm -hmm. than any of those, but it's just oh, interesting. No, no, no. It's yeah. its own thing. It's it to me that that's like the epitome of like sleepover horror. Like this would yeah. be the perfect yes. thing to watch with like a bunch of 13 year olds at mm. one o'clock in the morning with pizza and Mountain Dew, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> it's a very good time. Um, I will, uh, and I'll go to the bat for the sequel, uh, the oh. um, Night of the Demons Part Two. Okay, go to Part Three. Part Three is pretty bad. Part Two, though, I, I think is still a lot of fun. It's the one that I remember seeing on like HBO at three in the morning on a very regular basis at friends' houses. It was just one of those that played in constant rotation. Nice, nice. good stuff. <laughs> ben, do you have any uh, recommendations? Things that you watch for Halloween season? Oh, this Halloween season. Um... Way back, I used to watch all the Vincent Price, uh, mm. Roger Corman movies, and I hadn't nice. done it for a long time, so I did it again this year. For some reason, I've been seeing Vincent Price out more, like mm -hmm. they were just kind of in the media. So I decided to watch all of them, and they're great, and I love it. And uh, is there a particular one you recommend? Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't say recommendation. There's a particular one that I like, which yeah. is which is The Raven. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny. It's totally goofy and off the wall. Um, I, I think the best of all of them is probably Mask of the Red Death. But um, that's but, definitely got the most elaborate, yeah, production and everything. Yeah, for absolutely, sure. absolutely, good stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I've got a real soft. You know, uh, so I have a theater company. That's not my day job. It's you know, but there was a time when I thought I wanted to be an actor, and what I really wanted was Vincent Price's career. Like, yeah, just to be yeah. like, I'll just do the same thing. It sounds great and be really good at it, and that's good. Nice, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> no. see, exactly. 
<laughs> All right. We're going to take a dip into our Patreon pit for our weekly Would You Rather. Our uh, weekly question is, would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies or trapped in a horror movie with your friends? Ooh. Oh, I'm going horror movie with your friends. Yeah, I think I've, I'd probably end up killing my enemies if I was in the yeah. comedy. So I'd rather <laughs> at least fight off a killer with my friends. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably going to end badly. But yeah, either it, way. When, when you have like a like a teen slasher. I, I, now, I'm putting myself back in time a little bit here. I don't know that a bunch of 40-year-olds in a horror movie is going to be that great. <laughs> You're just all tired. Okay, fine, just give me. I don't want to run. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a great but, premise for a movie. <laughs> but you know, in in the in the best of the like the old eighties slashers and stuff, if you had a good group of teens who seemed like sure. they really liked each other, that elevated that movie way up high for me. Sure, absolutely. Uh, do I get to jump in? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, go good. for it. Okay, um, I will probably go with you guys too as the preferred way to go but just to be contrary um i think a rom-com with your enemies like that could be i don't know i think it could be really snarky there's probably some better comedy out of that right because maybe nobody likes each other so it's not the romance isn't there i don't know i think i mean i'm not a possibilities in that one yeah I mean, yeah, you could probably make peace with your enemies and everything would be fine. <laughs> or, or not. Or not. Yeah. yeah. Or not. I mean, like you're you're kind of forced into these weird romantic situations with people that you don't like. That sounds hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the um, I guess there's a new version of Mean Girls coming out. I saw a trailer this week. Uh, uh, version. Mean Girls, so, uh, okay. Okay. Me and my wife decided to watch the original Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. And that movie holds up so well. It's oh, just, yeah, yeah. The yeah. way it's written and casted is it's such a good mm-hmm. movie. It's Absolutely. The classic. Absolutely. That was just making me think of that. Um, okay. <laughs> so our patrons, 20% said trapped in a romantic comedy with their enemies, and 80% said trapped uh, in the horror movie with their friends. No, um, I mean, let's just be real. Like if you're a patron of this show, yeah, you probably want more, yeah. more than you watch anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, you you probably know all the tricks of getting out of a horror situation. Yeah, exactly. like, I was thinking like, I'd be smart, yeah. you know, if it's, especially if it's a slasher, I'd be smarter than most of the people who are in slashers. I would think. Yeah. I would hope. There right. you go. But they did well, get it, Randy, so who knows? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I saw um, uh, it was like a Reddit thing where like you know what horror movie scenario you think you could survive, and one someone mm-hmm. said Predator because I don't have any guns. I'm old and feeble. <laughs> You'd probably just leave me alone. I consider me worthy prey. I thought that was a good one. When, when I give good. someone a handshake, my muscles don't bulge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, our friend Whitney commented, uh, I, Trapped in a romantic comedy with my friends is a horror movie to me. Oh, yeah. That... Our, our patron Janet <clears throat> said, uh, my friends and I make a pretty good team. So, uh, yeah, that's um, we did have a question come in from one of our patrons, Victor. Uh, said, if you could pick your top three Crypt Keeper wraparounds, what would you pick? Um, oh, man. I, 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 have to, I have to think about that for a little bit. While you guys are thinking, uh, I do love the one, I think it's from um, Reluctant Vampire, where he's got like that classic vampire get up. He's got like oh, fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Speaking into the mirror, or whatever, said, I want to suck your blood. <laughs> like, trying it different ways. That, that that one always makes me giggle. 
that one and uh, Lower Birth. You know, because I like, again, those like connect to the episode. So I really, I really right. appreciate that, mm. the whole. I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking of any in particular right now off the top of my head mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's late here. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. anytime the crib keeper is like full body, like you can see his little yeah. feet. Yeah. Looking around, I'm always happy for little crab keeper feet. It's the same thing with the Muppets. When you see the Muppets walking or like Kermit riding a bike, it's automatically magic. I got his little puppet feet riding that bike. It's good stuff. So anytime the crib keeper's up and walking around or in a good costume, put those two together, you got a perfect opening for me. Right. Ben, <laughs> do you have any favorites? Uh, I think I'm more like Jody, where I can't think. I mean, lower birth, I do remember. Right. Um, I think anytime that this Crypt Keeper is smoking, though, to me is the yeah. most ridiculous yeah. thing. Um, cause it really, it does, like, you can almost see the, the fishing wire for that. Mm-hmm. It's just right. Um, I think that there's yeah. the one where he's like in bed with a corpse or, yes, or yes. <laughs> yes. No, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There, I think, I, another one, I think that he's like a lounge singer or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Or the one where I think he's playing golf and he's talking about getting a Juan in one. Yeah. Yeah, the Forrest yeah. Gump version of Crypt Keeper. The, the Forrest Gump one, yeah, that's a really good one. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> All right, and then our final section is our dad advice. Uh, ben, I, you, mm. you are a father, and uh, I think you're you are some form of educator. You run I a. Am. Um, so uh, what's what's some parenting advice you'd like to leave our? Oh audience? my god, could uh, I tongue in cheek or tongue in cheek? <laughs> It's definitely oh. cheap. It's definitely cheap advice. Uh jeez. Um, or or it, could, or it could just be some good advice you've gotten along the way. Maybe something oh. from your dad or just what some advice. You know, uh some advice. So, oh, okay. It's I don't know if it's well, I guess it's advice, but um I'm surprised. I have two younger kids, right? I have a um an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me a couple of years ago how fast the time goes. And somebody said the adage of like, yeah, the days are long, but the years are short. And I mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. I'm feeling that more and more as we go through this journey with my kids. That, yeah, that, no, make, I, that, that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, the days are can be really hard to get through. Yeah. But after a while, you look back and you're like, wow, where did it all go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've got a I've got a 17 year old now. Oh. <laughs> so seven, he just turned 17 a couple weeks ago. And for me, that suddenly felt like old, like, you know, sure. like everything else prior to that. I'm like, OK, still a kid, still a teen. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met my yeah. wife when I was 17. So all of that is just, you know, kind of mind blowing to think that they're they're already that that age. Yeah, you know, yeah. I still remember like the things that I remember from 17 years ago are just about as clear as if they were last week sometimes. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, I had another friend tell me once that, uh, you know, you really only have them till about, till they're about 12 or 13, because then it really becomes about their friends and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I'm a working dad, all that kind of stuff. And I'm always feeling like, crap, I'm not giving enough time. And it's those, the idea of time is definitely something that's been on my mind lately. So any advice to anybody out there is to just, savor and take the time and, and yeah. do things as much yeah. as you can. That's awesome. And you can, but don't, but don't like snuff your kids, right? Like they need to have their time too. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, you can you can make time to do special things and to have sure. time with your kids. Like I uh we've started a little thing that I'm calling the Midnighters Club because we mm-hmm. we homeschool so our our uh schedule is very open and we can uh sure, sure. stay up late if we need to. So a couple nights a week, we've got it set now. We just started last week, Monday and Wednesday nights or movie nights for those who want to participate. Ah, if you don't nice. want to participate, you don't have to. Uh, but because it's late, mom's already in bed. It's a good time to watch horror movies. She's not a horror mm. fan, but they mm. are. And I am. And so, you know, we watch some movies together and we have a good time. We watched uh, Brightburn this week and they mm. all really love that. We watched awesome. Spontaneous last night, which is <laughs> just one of my favorites and i just i love i love sharing things i love with my kids and so we've made this time we've said you know these two nights a week at like 10 o'clock at night we're gonna stop doing other stuff we're gonna go watch a movie together that's awesome it's been good just just a little hangout time built in did you guys Mm -hmm. have a nice cry over spontaneous i did i don't know (laughs) if they did but i did good gosh (laughs) yeah that movie it's great movie but oof yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah, th- that's another little recommendation from me here. If you have not sp- seen Spontaneous because you saw the cover and it looked like a bad rom-com, it is not. <laughs> it's actually really good. There are scenes that are genuinely scary. It's really funny in parts. It's super sweet and touching and sad. And it's everything. It's everything. It's a great movie. Well, yeah, it's weird because it came out relatively close, to, relatively well, sometime before COVID, but relatively close. Okay. To yeah. COVID started. yeah. It's very, it can be very much about that. You can make yeah. that movie now and make it. it about like a parable about that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Amazing. But it's, but they had no clue at the time. So it's just, it's interesting how that works out. I just, you know, I love sharing stuff with my kids. And mm-hmm. so we, we make little, little moments, you know, I can't yeah, have all yeah. their time. I, you know, they need to have their time. They all have mm-hmm. friends and want to do stuff with them. But I do know that at least at 10 o'clock or so on Monday and Wednesday, we get to hang out. So I like that. Awesome. It's good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Where can oh, people, thank find, you guys, where can people find you? Uh, you could find, all right. You or, can find us at Captured Aural Fantasy Theater, and that's captured with an Aural is A U R A L, and fantasy is spelled with a PH, and we try to make it really hard for everybody to find us. <laughs> um, but you know what? Actually, the easiest way is to go to our social handles, which is at C A P T L A, so at CaptLA. Um, and if I can take two seconds, uh, you had asked me about the origin of this stuff. And I really, I always want to talk about these guys. So I, I said that this kind of started with my friend Ben Ziola in Chicago when he would do it for his friends like decades and decades ago, or family. Um, I just need to give it up for him because I have to say that Capture Royal Fantasy has been the longest art project I've ever done. I mean, it's 25 years that we've been doing this now. Oh, wow. And, um, <clears throat> and it's great. Like when I go back to Chicago and visit, you know, they're all interested in what we're doing in LA. And, um, just, uh, I just want to make sure that I give those guys a lot of props out there because they're pretty great. Oh, Thanks for having me on. Ha- having oh. the right collaborators makes all the difference in the absolutely. world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It absolutely does. Yeah, totally. Yeah, all thanks right. for thanks for having me. This is really great. That's yeah, great. Well, um, yeah, hopefully we get that December uh, performance on. We'll definitely yes. um, bring it up when you send me the information. And we will definitely be doing it all through the house. So, All right. Excellent. Oh, <laughs> of course. It's the perfect one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> If you bribe me, maybe I'll put on a Santa suit for you. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. 
I'll, I'll, uh, or I'll, I'll sneak a menorah underneath the beard or something like that. <laughs> even, even better. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, next week we're going to be doing a movie. It'll be a surprise movie. And we have a very cool surprise guest uh, lined up. Um, I, it's one of those things. It's such a big guest that like I don't want to jinx it and give it right. away. Yeah. So, like he actually, until he actually logs into the um, recording session, I'm like until, until we click that close button on the recording, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, until, until I play it back to make sure, like I double save it. <laughs> but it's gonna be a big one. I'm really excited. That's um, awesome. I appreciate everyone for listening. I would really appreciate if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes or rating on Spotify. Check out our YouTube for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>